Bible says this. He says, who will ascend the hill of the Lord? Those with clean hands and pure hearts. When we come with our hands empty, let Jesus fill it tonight with His grace. Let Jesus come and fill each heart in this place with grace. just find our seats and hear what the Lord wants to say. Yo, I'm a bit off center here. It's good. Thank you, Lord. Keep your hands open tonight. Let the Holy Spirit come and fill it. As each one of us stretch our hands out to Him and go, Lord, I, I don't have the answers. I've had a horrible week. I don't know what to do in my life. Whatever it is, tonight, open your hands like a spiritual beggar and say, Lord, I need you. I need you. Listen, every single day, each one of us needs grace. It was once said that grace is most probably the most profound teaching of the Bible. It's even bigger than love because grace is love in action. Grace is what kept Jesus on the cross. Grace is what he bestowed to you and me, even while we were sinners, the Bible says. That's what he gave to us. It's grace. Amazing grace. Let's turn on our Bibles to the book of Hebrews. I want to look at grace tonight. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us, that includes each one of us here tonight. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So each one of us can draw near. I want you to note three things about the scripture tonight. Just three things quickly before we start. The first one would be that we come to a throne. And it's not the game of thrones here, guys. It's not that kind of throne. Okay. This is the throne of grace. This is God's throne. To the lost sinner, this throne is a throne of just a judgment. But to us, the believers, it's a throne of grace. So when Paul writes in, in, in um, Romans chapter 10 verse 9, when he says that we confess with our mouths and we believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is the Lord, when you become a believer, you can draw near to this throne. It's not a throne of judgment, but a throne of grace. This is a place where we can come for help. This is a place where we can lay down our burdens and our needs. It is the throne from which Jesus rules. 
The second thing I would like you to see is that you and I can draw boldly. That you and I can draw with courage, with confidence to obtain mercy and grace. You and I don't have to be scared when we come to Jesus. And the third thing is because God is gracious in his nature, God is love, God is grace in his nature. When we come to him with our need, God replies Not because, listen, God doesn't reply to you and me because of our merit. Not because of my persistence that I'm knocking and knocking and knocking and asking and asking. That's not the reason why he's replying. He's not replying to my pleading. He's not because of anything other than the need represented by you and me. He is responding to you. He's responding to me out of grace. It's not how long you pray. He responds to you because he loves you. That's why he's responding to each one of us tonight. Grace is, it's once said that grace is God's response or his response to man's need. And I want to say to you that each one of us are in dire need every single day. We are in need. We are in need of grace. We are in need of His love. We are in need of Him to uphold us. We are in need of Him to help us every single day. Grace is God's response to your need and my need. I need life. I need forgiveness. I need mercy. Therefore, I can draw near now. To that throne. I want us to go right to the beginning to start looking at grace. I'm not going to go through the whole Bible, don't worry. I literally want to pause on Adam tonight. I want to look at the life of Adam. But before we do that, I want to give you, and I know a lot of people have given kind of uh, explanations of the word grace, it's God's unmerited favor. It is God's riches at Christ's expense. We've heard all of that. I want to give you a little bit more technical one. Listen to this one. A little bit more technical. It's the intrinsic quality. It's God's quality. It's who He is. Grace is God's being. This is who He is. So when we come to God, this is who He is. He doesn't just show grace. He's not gracious He is grace. It's his essence by which he then spontaneously pours out his favor upon us. He does it. He decides when and how in his actions and the way that he gives it to us, each one of us. God is kindly inclined Towards the sinner, kindly. He's showing his kindness. In this case, it's each one of us. So, I want us to learn a few things from Adam before we start getting into some scripture. I want to say this about Adam. is that God created Adam and placed him in a perfect environment. The Garden of Eden was perfect. There was no sin. It was a perfect environment. 
The second thing I want to say about Adam is that he had an untested innocence. There was an innocence about Adam, and it was not tried or tested yet. There's nothing wrong with him. There's this innocence. So in other words, that Adam was without sin. He didn't sin. And Adam was given by grace, graciously, God gave him to the ability to kind of think for himself, to obey or disobey. But he's been given the ability to obey. This is the perfect, listen guys, this is the perfect scenario that you can live in, which I believe we can all go back to, and I'll show you that <laughs> by grace. But it was one act of disobedience, one act of disobeying God. He refused this state that he was in, this innocence, this righteousness, let's call it that. He refused to live in that by disobedience. He said, well, Satan asked this question. He says, did God say you should not eat from the tree? Did God say you can be like him? God knows that if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you can be like him. But do you see at the fall of Adam, we see the mercy of God immediately. God shows and manifests and demonstrates his grace from day one. So let's look at how God demonstrates his grace. Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Even in this, as he eats from this tree, God is gracious. God is showing his grace and he's postponing judgment. God said you will die immediately if you eat of it. But even in what he's doing, even in his disobedience, God says to him, I will show you grace and postpone judgment on you. Okay. I'm praying that tonight you will see grace from a different view, that you'll see what God has done for each one of us. Immediately, he deserves to die. But God says, I will stop judgment. They just ate of the tree. And God says, I'm not going to kill you yet. I'm not. I'm gracious. Okay. So when God says he's gracious and slow to anger, this is, this is the kind of stuff that we see in operation in Adam's life. The next one is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God in this verse, in grace, is promising a one that will crush the head of Satan. Right there, he says, okay. You have fallen, you have sinned, you have fallen short of my glory. I knew you were going to do that, but I also have a way where I'm going to crush Satan. The one that caused you to doubt and be disobedient, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the victor. I'm going to conquer over him. So right in the beginning, God's plan is already to give us a way out. I mean, for me, that sin, I'm like, Lord, you are amazing. And grace is truly amazing. Okay. So the next one is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Yeah, God continued Adam as head of the race. He's not saying, Adam, you made a mistake. Canceled. This is not cancel culture. Okay. This is not God saying, Adam, one mistake, you're out of here, buddy. You made one mistake. No, no, he says, you're going to continue to be the head of the race. You are going to continue to be the head of your family, even though you have sinned. Now, that is a total act of grace. God could have decided to stop Adam's life right there. In Genesis 3, verse 19. Verse 19. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you turn to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. God provided work for Adam. <laughs> God provides. Even in the midst of Adam messing up, God says, I will help you. I'm going to provide work for you. It's an act of grace right there. God continued. He didn't destroy the earth right there and then. He used the, the earth was useful even though it has been cursed by Adam's sin. Sin entered in. And because of that, there was a curse on the land. God's grace was manifest even in that. Genesis 3 verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. God provided a covering for Adam's sin. Again, we see grace in operation. In other words, they tried. Remember, God walked with them in the cool of the day, the Bible says. And all of a sudden, Adam and Eve's hiding. They're trying to cover their sin. They know that they are sinners. So they take fig leaves and they try and cover themselves, their nakedness. So God's asking, and it's not like God's like, you see, this is always God's job. He will always come and search for you and for me. You can be in hiding even tonight. God is coming to search for you. Religion is man's search for God. Christianity is God's search for man. Always. And he reaches out to each one of us. And he reaches out to Adam and if he says, where are you? It's not like God doesn't know. God knows everything. But they are hiding, thinking that God doesn't know where they are. Trying to cover themselves. And God has even got grace and a plan. He says, I'm going to take an animal. I'm going to kill for the first time something dies. For the first time, there was no death. Paul writes in Romans later, he says, death entered in through one man's offense, through sin. So this is the first time something dies. It wasn't like God went to a shop and bought skins. Okay. 
Do you understand? He had to kill something. Something had to die. And for the first time, we see the plan of redemption. We see God's plan is to cover our sin. And he continues this all through the Bible. The last one, Genesis 3 verse 24. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. God opened to Adam access to his presence. Now I'm going to show you why. So I think so often we read that scripture and we think that the cherubim with the flaming sword standing at the east end of the garden was there to keep Adam and Eve out. We often think, well, and it's true. You're correct when you say that. Because if they entered back in, they could eat of that tree, the tree of life, and they would be perpetually stuck in their sin. They would live forever and not die in their sin. Because they would eat of the tree of eternal life, really. But I want to suggest something else tonight. Why that angel is standing there. Cherubim is an angel. It's just what it is. Just a different name. With a flaming sword. I want to suggest that that cherubim with his flaming sword were not the police to prevent them. Prevent sinners from coming in. But rather, they serve as guardians to keep the way of access open. In other words... There's always a way, exactly what we just read in Hebrews chapter 4, that we can enter boldly into the presence of Jesus. You see, shame, shame will always keep you away from Jesus. The devil will always try and keep you away, that there's no access for you back into the presence of Jesus. It will keep you in bondage. It will keep you hiding with fig leaves and you try and cover your own sin. But ultimately, God made a way through one. His name is Jesus, the ultimate way, the only truth, and the only life. Jesus said, I'm the way. So if you want access back to the Father, into the presence, come through Jesus. Grace. God's grace. You see, we can have a place of meeting can have a place where we can meet grace, where we can meet Jesus. See, Satan would have been delighted, as he does in John 10.10. We see Satan came to kill, to steal, to destroy. But Jesus came to give us life and life in abundance. And he would have liked that gate to stay closed so that none of us can enter back in. Into the presence as we saw in Hebrews 4.16. But God, by His grace, kept the way open. He kept the way open through Jesus. For what Jesus has done on the cross for you and me, that's the only way that we can access back in. This is how Adam and Eve experienced the grace and the mercy that came from God. So let's make this applicable to each one of us tonight. Let's make this applicable. Let's turn to Romans chapter 4, verse 13 to 16, and read that quickly. 
For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For it is the adherence, what happened there? It's the adherence of the law who are to be the heirs. Faith is null and the promise is void. Okay, verse 15. For the law brings wrath, anger. But where there is no law, there is transgression. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace. It's always by faith that we enter in. That, we, that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. The Bible is clear where we, that we are saved by grace through faith. That's exactly what that said. I mean, it talks, it talks about the Lord, it talks about Abraham. But ultimately, what you need to understand from the Scriptures is that we are saved by faith through grace. It is not by works of righteousness that we are saved, which we might have done. Some of us might be good people. Some of us might have done some good stuff. But that's not what makes you saved. But we are saved by mercy. By grace. Because he's a gracious God. And it says so in verse 16 in that portion. That that is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace. We are called by grace. God calls you and me by grace. Remember that's his unmerited favor. That's when he spontaneously shows his love and kindness and mercy towards us. We are justified. Now, the Bible talks about the word justification, justified. The word justified means just as if we've never sinned. When Jesus saves, he saves us completely. And when the Father sees us, he sees us saved and justified and say, you have never sinned. That's what it means. It's a judicial uh, uh, terminology. Justified. That I have, the Bible says that I have a high priest that prays for me. I have an uh, advocate that stands before the Father. And he says, I died for him. For each one of us. Justified by grace. We are set apart or sanctified by grace. We are growing by grace. Every single day, we grow by grace. We are sustained and kept by grace. Every single day, the moment that I wake up, the moment I open my eyes, every breath that I breathe is by grace. As a sinner, the Bible tells me very clearly in Romans Chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death. I deserve death as a sinner. Under the law, I deserve death. But under grace, I get given life. John 10, 10, it's not just, it's life in abundance. 
we are not just sustained by grace, we are equipped by grace. Every day, God teaches us. He teaches you and me how to walk, how to pray, how to do everything, how to be good Christians. Ask Him. Lord, help me. How do I, how do I tell people about Jesus? How do I? I don't know. Well, He equips me by His grace. We are liberated, the Bible says, from bondage, from sin, from the law, by grace. We're liberated. We're set free by grace. The ultimate reason for grace is that we look like Jesus. In other words, that we conform to the image of Jesus Christ. That we look like Him, that we talk like Him, and that's only by grace. So we are conforming to look like Him by grace. He helps me. I can't do this in my own strength. We are reconciled. We, we, we use this word, uh, like, we were all orphans. You know, it, it touches my heart, and I agree with you, Marius. God has got a special place for orphans. He loves orphans. He says, this is true religion, to look after the orphans and the widows. But each one of us, we were orphans. Each one of us. And we are adopted into his family. That's why adoption is such a beautiful thing for me. Every time I think about it, and I think about my own two children that I adopted, I realize that that child has got everything that I have. So because of all that Jesus has done, we are adopted into his family. And the father says, you have everything that is mine. Not because of, of how nice you are, how beautiful you look, or how, how, you know, it's all to do because of his grace. We are reconciled with the Father by grace. And God in grace made a way for each one of us. In actual fact, the Bible uses a big word, propitiation. All you need to understand about propitiation, it means this. God's not angry with you. I think church has taught people that we have this old man in heaven ready to smack you with a big stick. God's not angry. God poured out his anger, the Bible says. Go read Isaiah. He poured out all his anger on his son, Jesus. He paid the price. It satisfied him. It was enough. God made a way through grace, covering our sin, just like Adam. Just like Adam. When those, when those skins were put on them, there was blood, and that's what Jesus says. The blood of Jesus is enough. The blood that was poured out for you and me on the cross is enough for you and me. There's no such a thing as Jesus plus. It's just Jesus. It's enough. And lastly, God has provided redemption. God has provided salvation. Look at Hebrews Chapter 3, verse 15. As it is said, today, if you hear 
my voice. So today, for each one of us, there is grace. Right now, in this place, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Today, if you hear my voice, there is salvation. This can be yours. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, all you need to do, the Bible says, Romans 10, Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth, believe in your hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I want to end this evening. I want to give you guys some homework. I want you to make a list in this week of all that God has done in your life. All, so far, from the day that you were born. Ask your mother if you, don't, if you weren't there, if you can't remember. Just ask her. She was there. There's a witness. There's somebody there. Okay. Make a list in this week of all that God has done in your life, and you'll see that it is all the spontaneous outflow of God's grace. It's all God's grace. Every single thing. Your house, your children, your work, your car, your, whatever it is. It's all God's grace. Everything. As God has bestowed grace and mercy upon us in response to our needs. I told you, grace is, man, is, is God's response to man's need. Each one of us have a need here tonight. Each one of us have a need here tonight. Some of us are in need of salvation to get saved. Jesus to save them tonight. Some of us are in need of breakthrough. Some of us are, depends on what you are, where you are at right now. God wants to come and meet your need right now in this place. 